I'm here because I wanted to talk to you about us. Okay, John, I want to introduce you to our co-host for this episode. I'm very excited. Can I do Who it? Who is it? You can. Okay. Please. Listen up, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, he is a singer, songwriter, host of the podcast, We Couldn't Help But Wonder, colon, A Journey Through Sex in the City, and Mike and Vanya Can't Not, a Madonna fan since the age of five, and a Madonna fanatic since the age of 12, and also one of my closest friends, Mike Jensen. Yay! Yay, that's me you're talking about. So that's exciting. you, Mike. Thank you for coming on our little podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super. They're like, you want to come talk about a Madonna concert? I'm like, I do that all the time. And this t- this time, I guess people won't get annoyed at me. <laughs> you have a justification, at least. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you have been a self-possessed, uh, excuse me, a self-described Madonna fanatic since age of 12. So like, what is your, what's your story with Madonna? Like, when did you fall in love with her? Where do you? So I have very early memories of Loving Madonna. I remember us having a, like a, literally a conversation like at kindergarten about Madonna. No okay. kidding. And like, I thought that Material Girl was hilarious just because I thought the line, I am my Material Girl was really funny. Uh, and I also have memories of sort of sneaking into my sister Kim's room when she wasn't around because she had the Madonna cassette tape. And I would just listen to Borderline over and over again as a very, very young, I must have been five or six, like I was a little mm-hmm. kid and I was sort of obsessed, even just that opening like piano kind of, you know, that bling, mm-hmm. bling, bling, like thinking it was like yeah. magical. And then, you know, really it culminated in what we're going to talk about today, that I remember that HBO had all this advertising for, they were going to air this Madonna concert live from France. And I just, I remember thinking like, I have to watch that. Like I was so into it. And I was actually, my parents and I were out of town the night that it was airing. And I really last minute, once again, props to my sister Kim, I called her really last minute and was like, listen, there's going to be this concert on tonight. Can you please put a video in the VCR and record this for me so I can watch it when I get back? And okay, I, whose wedding know, it is, just tape over it. It doesn't matter. Right, exactly. Just whatever. And it's, you know, I, I don't know if this is a story for later, but I will say that when I first watched it, she had missed like the first minute of it. So it it the show started with them already in progress doing Express Yourself. So it was, you know, it was months and months later that they re-aired it. I think it was like New Year's Eve they re-aired it on HBO that I finally saw like the whole thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just was obsessed with it. I remember sense. Yeah, summer. Exactly. I was like, that's where they came from. Uh, and yeah, it was summer of summer of 90. And I it, that was that was it for me. I just I totally fell. I fell in love with her and I fell in love with her music. And I sort of set about going back to the beginning and buying all of her stuff and, and committing it all to memory and learning dances from the Blonde Ambition tour and just full on obsession. That was it for me. I mean, this was, I feel like this was the moment, this was like her most powerful moment. And I think this was also the moment where it was like, oh, history is going to remember her. Like this, this era is, of her career. Yeah, you hear people talk about this era of her and like other artists, they refer to it as their imperial 
Yes, their imperial phase. Phase, yeah, where, and that, I looked it up because I was like, I think I know what that means, but I want to be sure. <laughs> and it's when a person, when an artist's commercial and artistic success are both at their peak simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and I think, she yeah. brought, I think she has more than one kind of imperial era because I think she hits it again with Ray of Light. Sure. Um, and I feel like erotica is kind of like writing, I like, Commercially, she did less well, but I think she's also kind of at the peak of her artistry during erotica. Yeah, because I will say that, you know, falling for Madonna in the summer of 1990, to a certain extent, it quickly after that became sort of not cool to like Madonna. Like, I, I sort of fell madly deeply in love with her. And then, though we've had this conversation, you know, like erotica, I do think is an incredible album, but it, it did sort of begin the backlash of Madonna. Like, Madonna was super cool. Up and like this was, and when she did bring it back again later on, but I remember being like, I love Madonna, and everyone was like, Oh, we're kind of over her now. <laughs> well, I think with Erotica, there was like some defending you had to do because sure. she had like, she sort of like was so brazen and so bold that, you know, she had the sex book and stuff like that, that there was a sense of like, she's going to now she's really gone too far, you know, especially right. after Justify My Love and all that. Whereas before here, I mean, I, I mean, I guess Like a Prayer was considered controversial by a lot of people. But yeah, it felt like that's when there started to be, yeah, the backlash or some sort of uh, just frustrating frustration with her because she was so successful for so long. Sure. And absolutely. then like kind of like inescapable also as well, like with the with the erotica, the sex book, body of evidence kind of all happening at the same time. It was like, I think there were some people that were like, all right, enough. <laughs> Can we talk about anything else? <laughs> but I even think about, I mean, it would have been like the next year that I, even at my high school, I remember going to high my high school and there was like a huge, like she was so part of the zeitgeist. And like, I mean, she was the most famous person on the planet for a really, really long time. And there was even a display in my high school of like Madonna and, and this huge banner of like her being this ambitious woman. Like <laughs> it, it, she still was sort of someone that you looked, I don't know, someone that you looked up to, even though she was controversial. I don't know. There was just was there was nothing like her at the time. No, I get what you're saying. That also was the time when people were like, "She's a real good businesswoman." Like there was a way yeah, that you could yeah. admire her more than just, "Oh, she's <laughs> right. not just being like sexy and and slutty and tardy." You know what I mean? Like she's she's really got stuff figured out. Yeah, and I think part of it also was just it. I mean, it can't, the Immaculate Collection came out right after the Blonde Emission tour, but there was a sense of like that album is just as far as like a greatest hits like pop album, it's unimpeachable. Like it's so solid. Even if you like are like, I'm not cr like in love with Madonna, you listen to that collection of hits and you're just like, yeah, she's no other pop star really has that at that. And missing and missing so many career. huge hits. Exactly. Right. So many things you're like, oh, I can't believe this isn't on. <laughs> right. Yeah. How many times have you seen Madonna live? I have seen Madonna live. I The first thing that I saw her do live was I saw Drown World, and I actually saw Drown World twice. I had moved to New York fairly, like right before Drown World happened. So I saw that one twice. I saw, was Revolution next? Reinvention. Reinvention, sorry, yeah. So I saw Reinvention once. I saw uh, Confessions once. I saw Sticky and Sweet. I saw MDNA. And then I did not see Rebel Heart. That was the one that I missed. I was very, very poor. <laughs> and I, I remember like going to <laughs> Madison Square Garden the night. Yeah, like going to the, the venue the night of it and being like, should I just put a credit card down? I kind of wish that I had. And then I did see. Madame X? Yeah, Madame X. Is that next? That's so bizarre. Yeah. That's so I guess I. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I've seen her seven times. Yeah. Yeah. Which one of the times you've seen live, which one is your favorite? I would probably have, and it's funny because it's it's not one of my favorite albums, but there was something about, well, I will say the very first time seeing her was remarkable. Like seeing the Drowned World tour mm-hmm. that first time, just the energy in the room. And it, it it can't be captured on the DVD even. That like the moment that the lights went out, that the whole, that the feeling of electricity in MSG was just unreal. That said, I mean, the Sticky and Sweet tour is like so visually amazing to me. And like, I remember seeing it live and thinking like, was this brought to us by NASA? Like there was just this technology that I, that now is not that (laughs) big of a deal. But in the moment watching it, just being like, what? Like that huge screen that little by little breaks into pieces and then like reassembles itself. And then even the moment, you know, you'll get to it when you talk about it, but like the moment of um, Devil Wouldn't Recognize, yeah, Devil Wouldn't Recognize You, where she's sort of in that cylindrical screen. It's like a screen but it's a tube and you can sometimes see through it and you sometimes can't. I remember like watching that being like, this is the most technologically amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. So I, I might have to go with a uh, uh, sticky and sweet. Sticky and sweet is the only time I've seen her live as well. And it, I agree. Like it doesn't get a lot of love, like as far as her tours go, like people don't talk about that one, but I yeah g- agree. Like it's so visually fun and stunning. And <laughs> it's funny you should mention like that that huge screen, like that cylindrical thing, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I always go, where is it now? Like, I 100%. Now? <laughs> well, Lady Gaga stole half of it for her tour. Cause I remember like seeing oh, you think so? right. the, the, I, it, it, her monster ball tour that I also saw at Madison Square Garden. Like it looked like she had like just stolen little pieces. Like it was half, like the bottom half of the tube, what she used in part of it. And oh yeah. So I don't, mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm kidding obviously, but I do think the same thing where I'm like, where does all that end up? <laughs> There's got to be like a huge warehouse in like the middle of nowhere that just like has <laughs> sure. all these gigantic screens and tour. Because it's not like someone could be like, oh, can I take that screen home with me? You know what I mean? Right. Like, Is it like, it's like, yeah, the, the Ark of the Covenant. The <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone going to take this car home? I could, I could just drive it home now if no one's going to take it. Come on. Are you seeing the celebration tour? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm I'm seeing it with Eric. We're seeing it in uh, December. I <laughs> tried to get to It's so weird because the first New York shows are happening like literally the two days before and the two days after my birthday. And I thought, well, that's perfect. <laughs> I'm going to go see Madonna for my birthday and then could not get a ticket. Like it sold out so fast that I couldn't get. Um, and then I was actually uh-huh. in london when the second when they announced the barclays and that went on and i was able to like get online there and get secure a couple of tickets so yeah we're gonna go see her in december and i'm looking forward to it i haven't give up given up hope seeing her around my birthday because that just feels like that should happen but it yeah. will i feel like they all got bought up by ticket agencies and they're that's what they all are can... though they're all resale and that's my thing like i'll spend money on it but i'm not spending resale money like i'm not i don't i don't know but that just annoys <laughs> me directly to her <laughs> exactly madonna can i just write you a check I'm rich, I have a VCR, but I don't have resale money, okay? <laughs> well, awesome. Well, before we get to the tour, Eric, you've got some uh, trivia questions for us? I do. I have some trivia questions, but these are hard for me to come up with because, Mike, I feel like you're going to know them. <laughs> oh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so, this tour, all the backstage footage was made into a documentary. Do you know the name of that? Talk? I'm just kidding. That's too easy. How dare you? Um, uh, <laughs> no. And then, and then when the documentary came out and it was like wildly successful, truth or dare, and three of her dancers 
sued her, claiming that they, for a variety of reasons, some of it was like financial compensation, some of it was claiming that they did not give permission for certain aspects of their lives, mostly that they were like gay to be exposed like that. Do you know which three of those dancers were the ones who sued her? Gosh, I actually don't know if I do. I mean, I know that Carlton didn't because he's invited back for the next tour. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh, you know what? I don't know. Was it Jose and Lewis and Slam? No. I think it was Kevin Stay. I think Gabriel and Oliver. Yes. I oh, okay. That you hadn't guessed. So yeah, the other three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the three of them. And the yeah, I guess they all had like different. I I don't mean this. I don't mean this insensitively. I didn't know if Gabriel was still around during the lawsuit. So I get because I know he passed fairly soon after, didn't he? I'm not sure. It was a couple of years after. Yeah. Was it okay? Yeah. And the lawsuit took like two and a half years for them to settle. I think they just ended up. My guess is that she paid them something. Okay. Speaking of Jose and Luis, what is it Luis or is it Louis? Louis. Louis. I don't know what why I, I said that. Is it Louise? Sorry. <laughs> Jose and Louise. <laughs> Speaking of Thelma and Louise, um, I don't know why I said it like that. I was looking at it, I was reading my handwriting, and for some reason I wanted to say Luis. <laughs> but it's just Louis. His friends call him that, it's fine. Yeah. I don't know why I like gave it some flair. Jose and Louis had a song, had a, a single that Madonna sang on. Do you know the name of that single? See, you think, I don't, I don't. I feel like we've talked about this, but I actually <laughs> do not know the name of the single. Do you know, do you know it? Tom? I do. I have, I bought the, the CD maxi single of it at the time. It's called Queen's English. Yeah. Queen's English. Do you know the Queen's English? The Queen's English. Do you know the Queen's English? And do Funny. you remember do Queens that read are the best though? Yeah, that's Madonna's <laughs> like most of Madonna's vocal is just her going Queens that read are the best. Yeah, Queens that read are the best. And then all they do is go like, My name is Lewis. That's how I knew it was Lewis and not Louis. And I don't know why it wasn't a hit. It's not a very good <laughs> song, is why. <laughs> that is definitely why. There's some explanation. I don't think I've even heard it before. Like, literally, I don't think I've heard this song. It sounds a lot like... This is when you find out that I'm not even a Madonna fan. I don't know anything about her. <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking about Katy Perry. I, I just really wanted her. to be on this podcast. <laughs> You're actually, like, a huge Martika fan. <laughs> okay, here's my last... It's a two-pronged question. <laughs> okay. It's a true, uh, but it's about one event. So the VMAs, like 98% sure it's the same one where she and Donna and Nikki performed Express Yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She later in that award show gives the Video Vanguard Award to what artist? Ooh. Oh my gosh. It was it was 1989, I think. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think my guess would be. Prince? No. Was it Michael Jackson? No. That was but my other guess. The you, so. But the way you said no made me think it was Janet Jackson. <laughs> no. Oh, that would have been funny. Huh. It's not Prince? 
Latoya Michael Jackson. Or Janet. <laughs> Rebe. <laughs> Tito. Uh, <laughs> who? Uh, George yeah. Michael? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh okay. what was his big video then? Well, Video Vanguard Award is just for like a, a body of work, I think. Oh, gotcha. Just like you you said you'd come to the ceremony. Yeah, except right. he wasn't there. She ex- she accepts it on his behalf. Okay. And while doing so, so she does so she and Nikki and Donna, Nikki and Donna don't say anything during it when she gives the award. They each have a prop. It's all the same prop, but they each have one of them. And it's a a surprising thing given what we know about Madonna. They each have a prop? Yeah. Do the props all come together to form something like a Voltron? Or are they all just three variations of the same thing? They're all three different exact same things. Cigarettes? Aren't they all smoking cigarettes? Is that is yes. that not a prop? Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, a I prop. remember I, I see the I can see the image of them all with their cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's big I just I kind of forgot that moment because I feel like in 1989 smoking wasn't as big of a deal as it is now. So I think right, like you could sure. smoke in a movie or TV show. Yeah. And so like I felt like at the time it felt like badass and ballsy. But then watching it today, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's right. They were sm- they were smoking on stage at the MTV Video Awards. That's so wrong. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Back then, you didn't know what was going to happen at the VMAs. It was crazy <laughs> right. town. It Someone was might crazy. smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Holy shit. Indoors. It's crazy. <laughs> so those are my trivia questions. Oh, they're better. My trivia questions were better than I thought they were going to be. No, they were yeah. good. You really. You, you, they were great. You, you did a great I'm job. glad I got the laugh. I feel like I ended on a high note, at least. Yeah, as long as you get one so far, that's been our guest record. <laughs> All right, so before we get into the tour itself, let's talk about the albums that have come out since the last tour. So we've got Like a Prayer and I'm Breathless, the soundtrack to Dick Tracy. And what do we think of these albums? I mean, Like a Prayer, I think, is one of her top three. Sure. I mean, I think that Like a Prayer was sort of her, uh, for lack of a better word, like her first bit at being taken seriously, kind of. Like, I feel like it was kind of her first serious album. Yeah, I could say you could say that because the other stuff was solid pop stuff, but there wasn't, sure. you know, it was all about yeah, and, love. And, and, and Right. And True Blue had a little bit of that going on. But yeah, this felt like her first, this is sort of her first, like, yeah, like Take Me Serious album. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it's the first album where she's like, I'm also a singer-songwriter who can be confessional and explore my own specific backstory as opposed to just like a song about love, open your heart, express uh, – wait, express yourself is on this album. Right. What else is on True Blue. True Blue. Right. Yeah. Yeah, these were like her stories told through music more specifically than anything else. When you have like a promise to try and an oh father and a – What's the one that's sort of about domestic abuse? Uh, Till Death Do Us Part. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Which was originally titled, this was going to be one of my trivia questions, (laughs) but I was like, there's no way they're going to guess this unless they actually read it. The original title of Till Death Do Us Part was State of Matrimony. Oh, I think that's somewhere in the back of my psyche, but I wouldn't have guessed it for sure. (laughs) Not as catchy as Till Death Do Us Part. No. And then what do you think of I'm Breathless, songs inspired by the motion picture Dick Tracy? 
I sort of feel like I'm Breathless is not really given the credit that it's due. I don't, because no one had ever done anything like that before, where it literally was her being Breathless. It was her playing a character and writing an album as though she was a character. I mean, that that's... I don't know that people really that's do that. That's funny you even... say that, because I, to me, I feel like this is almost Madonna doing a Bette Midler album. Oh, interesting. I mean, yeah, but I, I but once again, you know, the fact that she writes songs, and I'm not going to compare Madonna to Sondheim, but she writes, she has songs side <laughs> by side with, <laughs> you know, Sondheim album. piece, right? <laughs> but like, <laughs> it, 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 it feels like a, a quality album all the way through for me. Like, I don't know. I think that she does a, a really, she more than acquits herself as a songwriter in this album, I feel. I agree. I think what it is is that there's no, with the exception of Vogue, there's nothing on the album that is a hit that she really goes back to. So I think that's a part of the reason why it's easy to sort of forget. And it is kind of like goofy theater kitty. So I could understand it like people being like, that one's weird as opposed to other, you know, like a, a like a prayer or like a true blue even. Yeah, yeah sure. Aside, I mean, it's, yeah. Aside from Vogue, there's nothing that you're going to like would, that would get radio play at the time, really. Well, Hanky Panky got a little bit. I feel like Hanky Panky was like a top 10 hit or something like that. <laughs> yeah. They tried. It's also yeah. a really good karaoke song for me, just for the record. <laughs> okay, interesting. It's, right, it's it, right in my range. You can do it in like that in her key. Yeah, it's good. It, you it, like it, bring it, a big right handkerchief yeah. with you. Just in case, just in case you don't know. <laughs> We're to wipe your brow. It's just, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to go into the bathroom and change into my little fringe leotard, and then I'll be back. <laughs> Everybody, get ready. Oh, you didn't underdress that? Interesting. <laughs> well, I didn't know if they had it. <laughs> it just seemed like it'd be easier to like take off what you're wearing and then reveal that rather it's just than just like a tearaway. Uh, yeah. But okay, you do you. That's fine. <laughs> don't take out your handkerchiefs. I don't want to cry. I just want to hang you. Thank you, guys. I'm always like, oh, I never knew why you wore those like weird tuxedo pants everywhere, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> just always ready for karaoke. <laughs> I thought they were like on a sale one day and you just bought a whole lot of them. <laughs> what are you looking at? So in addition to the albums, of course, Madonna is such a big like video artist. So the videos like from this era are Like a Prayer, Express Yourself, Cherish, Oh Father, Dear Jesse, and Vogue. And I think with the exception of Dear Jesse, these are like pretty iconic videos. Like it's 100%. such a murderer's row. And almost exclusively directed by David Fincher, I think. Oh, Really? I think he did. Oh, maybe he didn't. No, uh, Lambert, the one did like a prayer, but I think he did express yourself in Vogue. Yeah, I think that's true. And maybe Oh Father? Oh, I think he also did Oh Father. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mary Lambert, I think, directed Like a Prayer, if I'm I'm remembering correctly. You are. And my book's book's over there. It's too far away for me to go. (laughs) Did I get it? We can just Google it. I was going to say, I'm literally on the goog right now this is why i bought a book let me use it um <laughs> i'd love to talk about this book yeah oh david fincher directed uh oh father he did he was shot it was shot in black and white and it shows a little girl playing in the snow as her mother dies thank you and Wikipedia. i feel like she was nominated for <laughs> best short form video for it at the grammys and did not win wow really yeah that's my memory you know i could just be making <laughs> stuff up too though Midnight, not a sound from the peak. We can't afford that, Eric. Oh, sorry. Look, a new day. 
going back though, looking at them, I rewatched the Like a Prayer video the other day, and I forgot how just weirdly bananas it is. It's like, pretty nuts, and and her over her like really acting at the end. I really like where she's like, "You didn't do it!" Like you just see her like really yeah. going for it. <laughs> right, yeah. it's very silent movie. It like <laughs> begins with her like running and tripping, and then there's all like, just like a flashback, or not a flashback, like just a sort of like an overture of all the images we're about to see with like the snarling, you know, evil villain white guy, and the fact that it ends with them like all taking a bow, and then like with the words "the end" at the end of it. Yeah, it's like. I totally forgot this and it is so bizarre. I think that that video stands the test of time and that like really recently, like Billboard and Rolling Stone, people like put that in their like top music videos ever. Kind of. Okay, but are, do you know what it, now here's my trivia that I, it's not real because I'm okay. looking at it right now. But like, do you know what, <laughs> do you know what one best short for music video that year at the Grammys? Paula Abdul's Opposites Attract. <laughs> Well, that had MC Scat Cat. Right, I mean, it did have it did have special effects. Cat. Yeah. It did have yeah, like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit was that? <laughs> yeah, like that's yes, like, around the time. Yeah. It was very much of that era. He's dancing with animation and making eye contact. How did they do it? <laughs> yeah, how did this she make it? They figure out sight lines. That's crazy. Yeah, MC Scat Cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all these like express yourself is an incredible video. Vogue. I mean, like that's. Like, always going to be in the conversation of, like, one of the best videos ever. Ladies with an attitude. Fellas that were in the mood. Don't just stand there. Let's get to it. Strike a pose. There's nothing to it. For sure. I mean, yeah, Vogue is an incredible. It just seemed like she had figured out what the public wanted in this moment in time, and she was able to deliver it. Um, Also, Vogue was originally intended to be a B-side for Keep It Together. Which is Correct, yeah. Yeah, so bizarre. And I guess her record people were like, it's a hit. Make a video. Put it at the end of your right, Dick yeah. Tracy album. <laughs> yeah. Right. Then we might sell first copies of this. Tack it up. Put it on. Who cares? Sondheim doesn't sell like he used to, Madonna. He needs <laughs> from the vo- voguing ballrooms. And she's like, Breathless wouldn't know what voguing is. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't make any album. sense in my concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just not release the album then. <laughs> I also wonder if, like, the album overall would have been more successful if the movie Dick Tracy had been more successful. Because I feel like there was a lot of hype behind Dick Tracy, and it came yeah. out to kind of like a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't a flop, but it was kind of like a, okay, I guess. Yeah. It's a weird one, because it is sort of considered... Like, it made like $100 million, and it won a couple of Academy Awards, but it's still considered a flop. And I, and, and, but I, and I remember that. that it, it, I think it was just more like underwhelming in its in in its performance yeah i rewatched it a few years ago and i was like some of this works but some of it is a little like plotty and slow but i also think dick tracy as a title is one of those things where everyone's like oh yeah i know dick tracy but when it's like what do you know about dick tracy you're just like uh he wears a yellow coat he's <laughs> right. not like you you think he's someone like a batman but he's not he talks into his watch which we all do now So I actually really like it, I, but I remember watching it the first time before I was a big Madonna fan, and I guess I shouldn't, this might be a spoiler, you know, 30-something years in the making, but like, I remember like really loving it the first time and thinking like it was a great, and then seeing it after I was a Madonna fan and being kind of mad at the end, and, you know. Because she dies. 
Yes, and I was so touched. the sequel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the other movie Madonna had at this time was Bloodhounds of Broadway. Has anyone seen that? I have not. I did, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it oh, is. I saw it in the theater. She doesn't have a big okay. part in it. It's like she's an, un- it's an ensemble movie, and she's a part of a ensemble. I was teaching him to do a backbend. I think that's one of her lines in the movie. <laughs> wow. That's a good impression. I and saw I that. Seen the I, I, thank you. Thank you so much. I saw it in the theater and my memory is it was my cousin and I that saw it. And there was one other person in the theater. And that was the entire audience for that film. <laughs> like almost globally. Yeah, that was the global audience. <laughs> Just the three the weekend, the weekend, the weekend receipts are in. The matinee brought in 1275. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge cast though like Jodie Foster is in it and Kathy Bates is in it like yeah it's a, a whole lot of people Jennifer Grey is the only other name that pops into my head right now as being in that movie who? Jennifer Grey okay who? sure I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> she won the video Vanguard award who? which knows wait what's the Madonna connection to Jennifer Grey Jennifer. There is. They were friends or something. There is some connection there. Oh, my there. God. Did she write Express Yourself as like a pick yourself yeah, up? Yeah, something like that. That's crazy to be like, oh, Express Yourself is about, is, is for me. Yeah, me. I think she was like, she, she, like, maybe she was going through something like a divorce or something and Madonna was like, all right, something about getting like plastic surgery and express yourself. I haven't (laughs) noticed before now. I maybe, maybe that's like what, like girl. It was originally put your nose to the test. And And if it failed, it went through some changes. (laughs) If I just made it up and I convinced Mike so hard and he's like, no, I know that fact too. We have the beginnings of like uh, the crucible on our hands. <laughs> like a mass mind illusion. Like a Nelson Mandela effect. Yeah. Be like, no, 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 she did. She That song is a love letter to Jennifer Grey. Oh my gosh. I, I'm telling the you, it sounds so right. Not the Nelson Mandela, the Berenstein Bears. Yeah, the, the, the Mandela effect, but I didn't know if it was nelson mandela or just a different mandela it was Luis, i believe not lewis <laughs> louise mandela louise mandela the louise mandela effect okay well i guess now let's get into the tour itself are we ready yes we uh, believe in love yeah we've okay. talked for about 30 minutes we should probably do Perfect. the podcast <laughs> okay <laughs> All right, so the Blonde Ambition Tour ran from April 13th, 1990 to August 5th, 1990. It played, 50, there were 57 shows in Asia, North America, and Europe, and it made $62.7 million. It was co-directed and choreographed by Vince Patterson. Nikki and Donna are there in all their glory. Her dancers, uh, if you are a gay person, you probably know uh, Louise Camacho, Oliver Crumbs, <laughs> Slam Gaulis, Jose Gutierrez Extravaganza, Kevin Stay, Gabriel Trupin, and Carlton Wilborn. And the, des- the the costumes were designed by Jean-Paul Gaultier. And I have to say, like, going into this podcast, I was having a conversation with myself today being like, try not to be as hyperbolic as you want to be. Because there is something about this tour where it feels like it seems almost impossible to overstate its effect and its influence on like pop music 
evermore, like after this tour. I do always feel very like elder gay when I'm trying to explain <laughs> of like, no, you don't understand. Like you don't understand what this show was and like the impact it. I'm 100% on the same page as you. Yeah, same. And like, it feels like nothing was ever the same. <laughs> I know that what I know that like, I, I, it does feel like it's a, it's part of just aging to get to a place in your life where you're like, you young people don't understand how <laughs> right exactly how like revolutionary this was and what it did for pop culture and culture and gay people I, I mean i'm gonna say lgbtq because that's what we would the umbrella we use now but just yeah. so so specifically for the g part of that equation sure yeah <laughs> Well, I also think it, you have. We have to sort of acknowledge that it's yes, it's the tour, but it's also the movie Truth or Dare. Like I think yes. without the movie Truth or Dare, there's not going to be quite. There's certainly not the relationship to the other performers in this tour. You know what I mean? Like they're all. Everyone's really well featured and has like stuff, nice moments. But it's because. But it's through watching the the documentary Truth or Dare that you're like, oh, I know who these people are, and and also like I can't watch this tour without thinking of the movie you know what i mean like when they're doing vogue part of my brain is doing the toast that they have in the movie sure yeah. you know what i mean to all love, those other moments like de la all like part <laughs> yeah like <laughs> a room full of people i love adore and all separately <laughs> would like to slap the shit out of one time or another uh, oh good how like they're it's sort, it's sort of like they they go together and they just create something that's larger than just one of them they go together and the i know that like the order of the concert because i've seen truth or dare many more times than i've seen the tour gotcha that the order of songs i i forget the order of the tour because the songs are in a different order in the in truth or dare they're not yes, all in there true. but they're like i mean like express yourself is first and then there's i don't know they're not in the same order so you forget i'm always like oh open your heart that's a surprise <laughs> So I've probably seen Blonde Ambition more than I've seen Truth or Dare, but I think a lot of that was because I had it on VHS and when I was 13, right. 14, like I would just watch it over and over and over and over again. So yeah, I could, to, I could list the track list right now. You don't have to brag about your VCR, Mike. <laughs> I mean, I think because I had a VCR and... Well, you know, the thing is, I had this cutting oh, wow. edge <laughs> thing called a VCR... My dad actually made a max. It was a whole how thing. How VCRs changed everything. You have no idea. It's, yeah, it's true though. <laughs> we couldn't just press play whenever we felt like it. We had to rewind it. Well, speaking of, this concert has never been commercially available, or it was on laserdisc for a while. That's it. But then it has not. Like you can't go out and buy a DVD of it legally anyway. which no one does anyways and i get that like i get that i'm like the last person that buys dvds but it does bum me out and i remember even when because the, the you know the the what it is is that she sold the rights to laserdisc and it was life rights like sh no one like at <laughs> laserdisc which doesn't even exist anymore right. i actually owned the laserdisc of the blonde ambition tour <laughs> which is such a bummer that i don't have it anymore did you have a laserdisc player so my dad worked at a middle school and they had a Laserdisc player at the middle school. So what I did is I bought the Laserdisc, I took it to the school, I connected it to a, a VCR, recorded it a VCR? onto a tape. Yeah, so we did like, like Laserdisc to tape. And I still have that VHS tape. It's horrible quality. You can't watch it anymore. But like that's <laughs> honestly how I ended up having the full tour was from the Laserdisc of Blonde Ambition. 
as opposed to the tour uh, the the tape that you had where the beginning's cut off because your sister dicked it. Because <laughs> my sister was a little slow. She was a little <laughs> slow on the uptake. Didn't quite get she that. She really dicked it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys still have uh, tense holidays about that? <laughs> we just don't talk about it. It's just it's known. <laughs> I find it hard to believe that there's still some any sort of existing entity of Laserdisc Corporation that can claim <laughs> to own the rights to the Blonde Ambition recording. Like I feel like that the amount of paperwork that you they'd be just like just have it, Madonna. Like what? <laughs> right. Who's going to step forward and be like, no, I own that. You can't do it. Is there? And I guess you can watch it on YouTube I'm now. Sure like you. Yeah, there's ve- tons of different versions of it on YouTube, and there, some of them are really great quality, too. It's true. I just, for a long time, it just made me sad that I didn't have, like, the physical, like, I right. can't just, like, pop the disc into something and watch it. Like, you you know, you have to and you know sure. go to YouTube, and sometimes there are ads, and what's that about? I mean, I'm sure if Madonna wanted it, she could figure it out. And I remember having sort of hope when she was negotiating to get Madam X onto a streaming service. I remember thinking, like... I wish that she would just go with HBO and maybe HBO could redo the blonde. Like they must still have, they must have that in their, I don't know how it works in their <laughs> vault somewhere, you know, Some, but it, one yeah. of their sisters must've recorded the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. And I also have that when I watch truth or dare that I get so, I just think like Alex Shishian has to have that footage somewhere. Like he has the entire blonde ambition oh, tour right, yeah. filmed in that like incredible high quality And that that has to exist somewhere. And the fact that it exists and I can't watch it does make me a little bit crazy. (laughs) Just let me watch it. I think he's not, I think like what it would take for him to revisit that and put it all together might be something he's not, from what I hear, he's not like, they were really good friends for a long time around this for I think several years. Mm -hmm. And then I think he decided that like, she's not a good person for him to be around. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. It must be hard to just be a friend of Madonna's because it's like always on her terms. It's always just like these, just like this insane other universe you have to step into, I would imagine. Yeah. You're probably not ever being like, oh, can we go here for dinner? Like you're just along <laughs> for the ride. Right. Like, I'm not in the mood for what a ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I know that he got asked to do a lot of stuff like this afterwards. And always said no until the Selena Gomez documentary that he made just really recently. Did you guys see that? I have not. I did not see that. I don't think that I even knew that that was him. Yeah, it's good. I like, I mean, like I don't, I know very little about Selena Gomez. So when I watched it, I was like, huh, I like her. Um, I would say she's the new Madonna, but yeah, I like yeah. her. She's very. I enjoy very, her in Only Murders in the Building. She, it's right. very opposite of Madonna in that, like, she's a very reluctant celebrity, and Madonna is the opposite of a reluctant celebrity. Correct. Could ask for anything more? Well, let me tell you. Should we talk about the show? Let's get into the show. So one of the things that she does for the first time on the Blind Ambition Tour, which she sort of did in Who's That Girl? But she really is like, things are chapters. Like there's sections like there, and they're titled in this one, Metropolis, Religious, Dick Tracy, Art Deco, and then Encore. Like they have official titles, the sections Axe. of the tour. A-C-T-S, A-C-T-S. not A-X-E. 
you know, there are no axes in this tour Axe. that we know of. So it opens with uh, Express Yourself and I- Iconic. I actually was thinking about how when we were watching Who's That Girl, you talked about Into the Groove and how in that number it was nice. It was the first time like all the dancers are there, the backup singers, like everyone comes out and everyone's in this number. And I think there's something so great about Express Yourself where it's just like, here's everybody. Yeah. All of the dancers, you get Nikki, uh, Donna and Nikki, you get like everyone and you're like, here are the people you're going to be watching tonight. Yeah, And there's something about that as an opening number that I think really is effective and powerful. It definitely feels like an ensemble show that Madonna's headlining, but they're all, they all have big parts. Yeah. Um, is Oliver in the first number or does he not come out until the second number? Can you, I don't remember. I think he's in it. I think everyone's in it, but he does probably like dance off a little early to get into his open your heart. Gotcha. Drag. Yeah, I once upon a time, I knew every piece of this choreography. I had my my (laughs) mom's little like monocle that I would like go into her jewelry box and take out and put around my neck so I could do the entire routine. (laughs) No kidding. I literally like many years later worked very briefly at uh, a high school and I used pieces of the choreography from this show (laughs) in my production of Little Shop of Horrors. I kid you not. Like there was Express Yourself in there. Yeah, it's like littered throughout uh, um, my- (laughs) There were some gay uncles who really appreciated that you did that. (laughs) Like, oh, I see a little keep it together there. That's nice. But like even her look is so iconic. It's like she's got the pinstripe suit with that champagne bustier. Like it's such oh, a so iconic gorgeous. look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like the use of a monocle that never really gets explained. It's just like a <laughs> sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do know that when I went to go see this tour live, I went with my friends Mark and Brendan. And I have a picture of it somewhere. I'll try to find it. Maybe I can post it somewhere. But definitely Mark had a monocle. I don't know where he got it, but we all were dressed like in kind of like light Madonna drag. Like none of nobody was like fully in drag. We were just in like sort of like like I had blonde curly hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all had like elements of Madonna with us, and we were definitely like the age and stage. And because of Vogue and the, all the stuff, like we we could like pose for pictures before the concert for ourselves. <laughs> so there's a picture of us in the parking lot, and Mark has like a monocle up to his eye. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's cute. We were cute. That's cute. So then we get Open Your Heart. Great. Her and Oliver. He's got that see through shirt on and his bowler hat. Just gonna come back later, those bowler hats. It's mm-hmm. it, it's like almost like deceptively simple because it's just the two of them on stage, and obviously Nikki and Donna are singing along as well but it's I think it's such a beautiful number and I love her voice and and part of it like you can tell that she's so tired like you can tell that she's been singing this yeah. for like months now but I love the quality of her voice on this I love the cracks of it I love like a couple times she doesn't quite hit yeah, that note but there's something about it that's, it that's really nice. it's so vulnerable too like it just adds to the the feeling of the song for me that she just sounds so vulnerable and it's like so real See you on the street. 
The other thing that, that this has, like, I feel like she's always had like 12 inch singles since the beginning. Like, I think everybody had a 12 inch single, right? Like, but the, mm -hmm. those extend, they were usually just like extended versions of the songs. And I feel like with Like a Prayer is when we start entering like actual like remixes of songs. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's, and we hear some of that in this Open Your Heart where there's like, a little bit of a something that we're not used to hearing. There's like this part where like uh, I can't sing it, but yeah, like Oliver's dancing. It's just like it's enough of a departure from the from the song that we're used to. What you're familiar, but also like a new thing. Yeah, like you're kind of like oh, they're redoing this, and we're gonna get more. But even like this express yourself that she opens with is not the express yourself that's on the album. Like it, it does have a different feel to it. And I don't, I don't know, and I could be wrong about this, but I do feel like this tour, and we'll get way more to it as we go along. I don't know that anyone had ever taken their music and then done a different version of it in tour. Like it was always like do the hits, do them the way that the people recognize it, don't change it. Whereas this this right. tour especially, she's like, no, I'm going to make this song a ballad instead. No, I'm going to do the remix yeah. version of this instead. Right. Which is now yeah. people do that much more regularly, but I don't think it was a thing before this. I don't yeah, think I think so, it was definitely like, much rarer. Yeah, but like Fleetwood Mac probably didn't have remixes. Sure. <laughs> We're being played a lot in the club. <laughs> that was the, the the most recent act before Madonna was Fleetwood Mac. That's why I used that. As <laughs> Everyone listening, that's the order that music evolved. It went Fleetwood Mac and then Madonna. <laughs> Nothing in know. between. Kids, today. Kids don't know. That's it why we're doing this. Rock and roll started with Elvis Presley. <laughs> Next was the Beach Boys. Then Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. And then Madonna. There was nothing new until Selena Gomez. I was going to say, <laughs> then, and then Selena Gomez. <laughs> All right. So then after that, we get Causing a Commotion. And this is this this is a really fun, I think, like showcase where like Nikki and Donna, too. Like the three of them. Like it's, it's such a personality number. You feel like you really kind of get to know them. I mean, like it's sort of like joking. Like it's choreographed fighting. Like so much of them is like, hey, don't push me too hard. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a really fun number. It definitely feels very like girl. The whole the whole show feels very girl power in a way with the two of them, and I think also because they did the BMAs with her, and then that thing that I talked about earlier where they were on stage. Well, it's kind of like this like bad girl posse that definitely yeah. like plays throughout this tour. Like they're definitely like her her friends now rather than just like backup singers. They have yeah, like, they have this weird sort of like secondary level of like they're not quite stars but they're more than just the two the voices in the background when they take when they take their the theater bows at the end there's like all the dancers <laughs> take a bow then all the musicians come and take a bow with madonna and then the, i think the three of them step forward and take a bow and then madonna takes a final bow they definitely yeah. get like a a supporting lead bow it's funny if you go and watch other versions of you know, I mean, obviously the one, the, the final performance is the one that most people see, and that's the one that was on HBO. But if you watch earlier ones, you do see that, like, they evolved to this number. Like, the, it's a little bit less bantery, it's a little bit less slick in earlier ones. Um, so this does feel like this piece sort of did right. evolve as they went along to kind of, like, add to the jokiness of it and add to the fun. 
Yeah, the, the sort of like um, the the gag of it is, I guess, that like Nikki and Donna are kind of getting too like big for their britches and thinking that they're kind of the <laughs> yeah, stars sure. of the show. Yeah. And Madonna uh-huh. has to like get them into. We place. could take over if Madonna was sick. Mm-hmm. No one would. No one would want to <laughs> refund their ticket. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. And then she like kind of like beats them up at the end. Yeah, there, there's a <laughs> yeah. weird sort of like physical comedy like sound effects as she like they're good they're Uh, having fun they're having a good time and that brings us to where's the party and i love where's the party but i feel like in the tour i feel like oh they just press play on the record because her voice is like higher like this one i think she's definitely lip syncing this number How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I've just been kicked off my own podcast. <laughs> Mike, uh, that's funny. John, I don't. Mike and I'll take it from here. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I think, oh, okay, Nikki and Donna. All right. Just go ahead and uh, send me the password for the Zoom, and I'll just send you the recording I, when we're done. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll edit it. Then. I do think we're very much hearing Nikki and Donna's voice. Like, I, I think, I think that. There is live singing happening still, but I do think that she's leaning very heavily on them to um, yeah. double her voice there. They go it just, off to, to me, the side. Sounds so much like the recording. Like I like I almost wish she had been like, my voice is a little lower and a little huskier. Let me just record it. So even if I do lip sync, it doesn't sound like. To me, it just sounds like, oh, that's a different voice. Yeah. And it's her, but it feels like, oh, that is the album True Blue. Sure. I think yeah. They should have like re-recorded it down a half step. Yeah. <laughs> just one day in rehearsal. Just like, we're going to record this this rehearsal. We'll just see. You're just to have. I will say that I this does not sit in my range in karaoke. I did try this one once and it did not go well. It sounds like there there were like, like some sort of like, did you lose a relationship over that karaoke performance? <laughs> it did not go well. Let's just say. Uh, it, did, it did not succeed. That before I performed it, I was engaged. And after I performed it, I was not. Newly single. (laughs) (laughs) And that concludes the first act. The first act, Metropolis. And that brings us to the second act, Religious. And I have to say, I think this act is probably like the greatest act in any pop tour. Like this run of the next five songs, I think is perfect. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's it's a like even once again we're going to start off with a song that is done in a way that you, we've never heard it before, and then yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a, it's so a pretty it great run of, of songs here. The sort of sitar reimagining of like a virgin. I made it Incomplete. I've been had. I was dead. Blue, but you made me free. 
this was, a, I think I saw this before Truth or Dare, but I just remember seeing this, like, just as a, you know, as a teenager and being like, what is this? It was, like, so, like, it, not to be hyperbolic, but I feel like this number changed me. Like, it was so surprising, so exciting, so crazy, so, like, mind-blowing of, like, I can't believe someone would do this or could think to do this. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And then... This is also this is specifically the act, like all the controversy surrounding this show, as she right. went around different parts of the world where Canada and uh, Italy didn't wanted to ban it for being. It's specifically this act. It's none of the yeah. other acts, right? It's like this was the controversial one where <laughs> Nikki and Donna right. are dressed as nuns, and there's so much religious iconography, and she's simulating masturbation on stage and it definitely has like a sexual awakening that is then clouded and affected by religion and patriarchy right i guess we should say pope john paul ii called the tour one of the most satanic shows in the history of humanity which come on that's <laughs> drama queen yeah, you're a pope. You like you've definitely seen snuff films, okay? Like, yeah, yeah. girl, <laughs> girl, chill. Uh, so yeah, I guess we should say it's like a virgin, like a prayer, live to tell, oh father, and papa don't preach. And again, like as a unit, I just think it's so great. Well, and it works so well. I, I'm trying to think. This is the act in which she doesn't pause. I feel like every other act has a moment where she pauses and talks to the audience, and this is that act that literally like the music never ends. Like it sort of segues from one to the next. It does feel like That's a storyline. Yeah. It does feel like you have this sort of like sexual ecstasy that immediately transforms into this religious experience, which right there, the juxtaposition is so interesting. And and then segueing further into, we get, you know, getting into like, oh, Father and Love, which sort of like a mashup almost of the two of them into Papa Don't Preach. Yeah, it's like nonstop. Yeah. And it really is. And the choreography is so beautiful. And the dancing, I think, is so beautiful. And it just it's it is a stunning, a stunning run of songs in a tour. I do. I agree. Also, I feel like, OK, to get into to talk about the beginning of the next act, which is the Dick Tracy Act, which opens with sooner or later. So there's part of me that feels like we get real ballad heavy in the middle here with live to tell oh father pop it out preach into sooner or later but the like a prayer that like a prayer comes right before all that and it's so high energy and has that like ex that dance break in the middle of it that's different than it is on the record again and it, um all that uh -huh. you know what i'm talking about someone's saying it better who's the yeah, better No, that was a stunning rendition. That was beautiful. Yeah, that was Thank you. No, no notes. <laughs> <laughs> but even in the quiet moments, in that, in that, that sort of like I don't know, the like the pas de deux of, of just her during, um, oh father, and, the, and that sort of like beautiful like ballet type of dancing that they do together is is just oh, yeah. very very well put together and and moving really. It is, and then there's like a. Um, there's more ballet from the, like, I feel like she leaves stage and some of the guys stay on in, at the end of Papa Don't Preach and do, like, a piece from the Nutcracker suite. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Fuente turns a lot of... Yeah. This many counts of eight to change and uh, uh -huh. get a piece of water and stuff like that. 
Yeah, and she has to put on. I feel like she has to put on. She has to change shoes for the next act. Also, She's definitely changing shoes. She has a little kitten heel in the next one. Do we feel like we've discussed the Reli- act, act two the religious act enough? Yeah. I think so. I mean, it's tough to even like take it apart. It's just so. I mean, again, to me, it's so iconic. It's so like this is no notes. And that ending music of Papa Don't Preach as they're doing their dance. Like, yeah, I always like think that. Like, it's so dramatic. Yeah, it's so dramatic yeah. and beautiful. And, oh, God, what a great act end. Oh, here's a question that we should have asked at the beginning, but I'll ask now. Curls or ponytail? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough that one. I remember, actually being, you. I remember being sort of sad when she got rid of the ponytail that because it, it it seemed so iconic and she, you know, it was such a famous and is still such a famous look. When people think yeah. of this tour, they don't think of the curly hair. They think of the ponytail, even though it's the curly hair that's in Truth or Dare and Right. For the most part, people have seen. Fun fact, really quickly, it's a thing that I remember catching in Truth or Dare when they do express yourself and she that has the audio from very far back where she goes, All right, America. And thinking like, she never mm-hmm. had curly hair in America. She had the ponytail in America. No. That was a little fakey do right there. Is that um, true? I thought, the, in. I thought the ponytail. No, ponytail no, started never, in Europe. None of, the, none of the concert footage, except for the one time where like she's sick, but I think most of the concert footage in Truth or Dare is the curls. All, yeah, it's I all think curls. all of it. Because they recorded that in France as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. Uh, I think the ponytail was America, and it wasn't until she went to Europe that she went to curls. Yes. I got to say, I prefer the curls. I prefer the curls, too. Wait. I mean, in the so end, I, I feel like we're saying do. different things. <laughs> wait. America was curls. No, America was still no. the ponytail. Oh, my God. Really? She didn't yeah. change the curls until she got to Europe. So even when you see, like, when you think about them doing the, like... Um, the, the talking about Keith Haring and, you know, in truth or dare, yeah. where she's like saying the prayer and crying, she still has the ponytail in that scene. That was yeah. the very uh, end of America. So do, I guess maybe her hair grew out enough that they could do something else with it. Yeah. Yeah. It was the ponytail. Like what was the, I wonder why she, why, why the change? Yeah. My understanding is that the ponytail kept getting caught in the mic that the ponytail would like wrap around the, the mic and she would like go to take it back and it would like take the mic out of place. So that's my understanding was the technical oh, reason okay. why they changed it right. was that the ponytail was just causing issues. Well, that's a lot of shows to get through before. <laughs> but it also could be that her hair wasn't long enough because those, the, the, some of the footage you see in Truth or Dare when they're like pulling up her hair, it feels like it's just coming up into that little knot for the ponytail. Yeah, and then they, I guess it got to a place where it was long enough that they were like, just curl it. And I, I like the, the effect of like the tight curl in the beginning, and then as the show goes on, it right. sort of like loosens. <laughs> so by the time you get to the end, you have those like sort of like loose waves. Yeah, I like that. It's a fun hair journey. I feel like she has this, uh, a less expressive but similar hair journey in the Who's That Girl tour, where it starts very like set. And then sure. by the end of it, it's kind of, it's like all over the place. Yeah. And she like wets it <laughs> down. High impact aerobics it. for like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the, the hair journey. I think it's very expressive. Quick callback. I also copied this hair journey for my 
incredible production of Little Shop of Horrors, where Audrey started with the tight blonde curl and we let them kind of like loosen as it went along, inspired by Madonna. Wow. Is there any way we can see this production? I definitely have it on VHS. (laughs) (laughs) Do you still have Um, a VCR? I do still have a VCR. That brag down again. (laughs) I do. I do still have a VCR. I've almost entirely changed to 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 DVD, um, but I still have a couple of VHS tapes. Just in time. Just in time. (laughs) Just for them to become trendy. And how do you top that? With a little Sondheim. A little Sondheim. <laughs> Laying the on a Tracy piano. section. Mm-hmm. And there's a version online where she messes up the lyrics. And I, I it made me so sad that I can't, I don't watch that version. <laughs> I think maybe it's from maybe it's from like there's like one that was taped in Houston and one that was taped in Japan. There's I want to say Jersey. There's Japan. There was like an oh official yeah 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 in Japan, but there's a Jersey one you can watch. I I to me I imagine like oh that must have been like a dress rehearsal. But then I'm like, do they just record every performance? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, there were a few like contracts that she had with different companies that that I know that yeah. aired them live. But yeah, she messes up <laughs> the lyrics on one of them and it made me really sad. So I don't watch that one anymore. It's good though, and it's her, and it's definitely her singing. Definitely, I mean, it would be weird if she was lip syncing when she was just like, <laughs> yeah. Like it's like I like don't mind. Like to to me, like you know, if she's like dancing really hard and she's lip syncing, I'm kind of like, oh, it's okay. I don't like that. Doesn't I don't get annoyed by stuff like that. But I'm like, if like if Adele was lip syncing, you'd be like, but you're just standing there. Like, come on, <laughs> what are you doing? As opposed, to, like if you were to be like Britney Spears lip syncs her entire concert, I'd be like, well, she's moving around a lot. She's doing a lot of other things. It's okay. Like to me, it doesn't. I get it's like not as cool, but I get it. Whereas like if you're just like standing there, like come on. And she's not even standing, she's laying down. Right. <laughs> she has no she does eventually stand up, Eric. You give her some credit. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she kept being like off the piano at some point. <laughs> my calves are really working in this number, so I have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always spasming after uh, Papa Don't Preach. My Charlie horse I gotta take care of my Charlie horses. I'm gonna lip sync while I while I roll out while I roll out on this piano with my foam roller. I guess part of why I bring it up is because there is, and you were probably right in that she's not fully singing in in Where's the Party, but she is singing so often and dancing so often. I feel like I feel like she didn't get a lot. I feel like people made fun of her lip syncing a lot, and there's less lip syncing than people think that there is. I think that's true, and I also think now like no one cares. Like I saw Britney in Vegas, and she was great, but the only thing that was uttered live was what's up Vegas and how y'all doing tonight? Everything else was completely tracked. I I saw Brittany in Vegas and she wasn't even there. It was Donna DeLore. So I didn't ask for my money back. but Also a fine talent. (laughs) Yeah. I saw Brittany's circus tour at Madison square garden. It was definitely the whole thing was pre-recorded, but you guys, she was under duress. 
She watched me now. Now, and again, we don't. We're not mad at her. No. So anyway, so sooner or later, sooner or later, right? sooner or later, we'll get back to talking about this pod. This <laughs> <door>. <laughs> Into hanky panky. Super fun. Some uh, some scarf choreography that's reminiscent of the scarf choreography in True Blue in the Who's That Girl tour. Like a lot of. That's true. She loves a scarf. Yeah. I would not have noticed that if we hadn't, if I hadn't just watched the Who's That Girl tour. That they're very the similar. Scarves are a motif, a recurring yeah. motif. <laughs> There's a, I forget what tour it is, but I'm sure we will get to it. Where in music, where they all have scarves and Nikki drops hers right beforehand, and you can see like when they're about to do the scarf, or it's more like a handkerchief than a scarf, but still, you can see she just like looks at Donna like, I don't have my handkerchief fell out of my pocket, so I'll just do this with my hand. <laughs> Hope I don't get fired. Like, <laughs> I'll try to make my hand look extra floppy. <laughs> I do think also Madonna has like multiple hankies in her decolletage. That's true, yeah. She has one that then yeah. she like drops it and then she pulls out a second one. But the choreography all bigger. ends with like that, that. She bends over and picks up the one that she dropped. That I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a it's lot like of magic. Free plant, yeah. It's like Mar- the Mary Poppins bag. Like, I just have a lamp in here. That's why the, the Papa Don't Preach dance break had to be so extended. She's like, I've got to make sure I've got all my hankies in place before I foam roll on this piano. <laughs> I wish Get I my ponytail out of my microphone. <laughs> it would have been a funny prank just to tie all the handkerchiefs together. So when she like just grabs one, they just keep coming, coming out. out. Somebody yeah. should have one night, someone Melissa. should have done that. That's a real lost opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, Snelly Mouth. Assistant Melissa, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna tie these together. <laughs> and that goes into now I'm following you with Slam playing Dick Tracy, Warren Beatty. Yes, he's so handsome. Slam. Yeah, and Warren yeah, Beatty. He's, yeah, but, true. A good looking and this is the obvious lip syncing where she says ahead of time, like, we're going to oh, lip yeah, sync she and so. she's clearly not singing at all here. Yeah, she's not even holding a mic. They're just like. Right. I'm sure that, Eric, yeah. I've told you this before, but when I first moved to New York, I for like a minute and a half, I worked at the Broadway Dance Center, like cleaning up. It was like a work program. Oh, I was program an intern there, too. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I ever used a single class that I earned. Like, I don't think I ever, like, maybe I used one. I had, like, 30 free classes, and I never, ever went to any of them. But one day, I walked into one of the studios, and who was in there but Slam, like, making out with some guy, like, leaning on a piano. And I definitely had this moment of, like, I've made it. I'm in New York, and there's Slam making out with some random guy at Broadway Dance Center. <laughs> And I'm just windexing the mirror. (laughs) It's totally cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's all you guys keep going. It's cool. It's fine. I'm in on it. No, no, no. I get it. I get it. I'm a part of this. I'm a part of this. Yeah. (laughs) Bro fam. We're getting drinks later. (laughs) Yeah. I like now I'm following news and then, uh, you know, a bunch of them come out and Dick Tracy things they do like they open their yellow coats and they're just in underwear and they do a little kick line. And you think it's the gayest thing you're ever going to see, but <laughs> the cherish number is coming up later. So yeah, hold on. Gonna, oh, yeah. That. <laughs> that's fun. They're all fun. That, that kick line, somebody's like leg extension is 
less available than the rest of them <laughs> on the end. I can't tell who it is. Do you know what I mean? It's not they're all in the same. Yeah. They're all like do, they're all like doing these like high like these beautiful like high kicks up and around and somebody on the end looks like it's an understudy. <laughs> <laughs> if That's I probably to, why he's on the end. If I had yeah. to guess, I'd be like, it's probably Oliver, because I feel like Oliver was No, like, Oliver's not in that number. He's not? No, he's the one who's not in it. I'm sure he was like, this is too gay for me. <laughs> wow. Well, it's so because I feel like Oliver was not like the one who was not like a tr- as trained as the other ones, but maybe um, Jose and Louis. Maybe Carlton. Also. Maybe Carlton's too beefy. Like he was kind of one of the. He maybe. doesn't have the same extension. No, but he's a ballet dancer. Oh, is that true? I think so. <laughs> Sorry, he we're not friends like you and he are. are. <laughs> <laughs> when did you walk in on Carlton making out? <laughs> Bite your it's tongue, Mike. Funny. He's a ballet dancer. <laughs> It's also funny in this number because in the context of the CD, in this number, it like calls back to almost every single song. So like little moments from yeah. all of I'm Breathless get sort of recycled in this remix. But then seeing oh, yeah. it in the concert, you're like, because I, I, I definitely saw this concert before I owned the I'm Breathless album. And I'm like, why is she crying? Like, why? Like, what is all this <laughs> weird stuff happening in the background of this song? Why is she going bananas? This makes no sense. <laughs> Yeah, there are all those weird More little context, those weird please. little callbacks that don't make any sense out of context, but yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why it's so weird? It's such a weird number until you hear the album, you're like, oh, they're all it's callbacks to all these other oh, songs. No, I got it. Cool. Yeah. yeah, so that's the end of the Dick Tracy section. And it's like very lighthearted, but I think I it's sort of like paced well and that like we just had the heavy religious. For sure. Section, so like yeah, that's some little Technicolor, uh, you know, Dick Tracy nonsense. But then that brings us to the next section, the Art Deco section, the act it is called. And it starts with Material Girl. And you can just tell, like, she does not ever want to do this. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess I have to sing this song. Like the first line in my obituary. <laughs> probably will be it's gonna be in there for sure it'll be material girl dies at 105 run out of material right yeah (laughs) it's fun though i think it's such a fun number yeah, I think so. It's cute. And then she just she's, they're doing like a Linda Richmond coffee talk kind of thing. Sure, yeah. The thing that I read referred to it as a very Midwestern accent. I'm like, I don't think it's a Midwestern accent at all. It no. feels very New <laughs> no, York. I, I don't know where that came too, from. Like, yeah. Someone from Europe must have edited this entry <laughs> because that makes no sense. Yeah. Well, I feel it's it's like her, her Nikki, it's her Nikki Finn voice. Sure. Yeah, a little I, bit. Absolutely. It's all the, it's not that... But it's not like, I came to New York, I wanted to be a star, I did this. Is it hot in my Jane King show? Kiss me. Not, yeah. So like, have you got, I know, John, we talked about this. Have you seen, Mike, the Madonna and the Breakfast Club movie? I have, yes. It's a part documentary with the, like, all the musicians that she was in bands with before she went solo. And the bands went through, like, the, the Breakfast Club. She wanted it to, she wanted it to be called Madonna. And then they settled on Emmy for part of it for a while, but it's part <laughs> it's part reenactment and part documentary. And the talking head. 
yeah, like part Talking Head documentary like with Dan Gilroy and who was her boyfriend at the time and also bandmate and then his brother who was also in the band and then these other musicians that worked with her. One of the things that they have is these audio recordings of Dan and Madonna talking and they're just talking but she kind of had that voice back then. It was like her like her street voice? Yeah, they're just like talking about like stuff that like kids would talk about like don't you think it's crazy how you know <laughs> we dream and we have dreams but they're not really our, <laughs> we're not really there but she's doing that voice it's not her natural voice but i think it's not something her natural she, british accent exactly It's, I just think that it's something that she's all, at least since she moved to New York, she had that sort of character side of her that then she's dipped into multiple times. She touches every once in a while. Yeah. She'll uh, bring it out to sing Santa Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Material Girl in this case. It's fun, though. And they have their weird little frilly costumes. Yeah, the costumes in this number are fun. She, more stuff in her decolletage. She has a fake money mm-hmm. that they're throwing out. And then this number ends and the girls run off and then uh, some mermen and a harp magically appear on stage and we get what I think is the gayest thing ever to happen. <laughs> it's just her singing Cherish. Cherish, Cherish. With Three guys who you, it's, who's it's like Kevin Lewis and Jose. And you, it feels like they were like, all right, let's have a bet. Who can be the gayest of the mermen tonight? Yeah. They're like, who can, who can in a mermaid tale be the most ready to bottom? Yeah. <laughs> like who can, who can present? Category is bottom fish. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. It is super gay. I do sort of feel like "Cherish" is kind of like such an easily forgotten Madonna song, and it's such a great song. I agree. I, love I have it. to say, I first I didn't like "Cherish," but I've come around to it. For a while, I was just like, "Oh, Cherish!" I just thought it, it just made me roll my eyes. But over the years, I've warmed up to it. Uh-huh. I don't. I think because like it feels so like it is so just like poppy, and I think especially like with the other stuff on like a prayer, it feels like. You're giving me, you know, like a prayer and express yourself and till death who's part and cherish. So yeah. it just felt like, why are we doing this? But I do also I, like appreciate yeah. her lip syncing. Uh, that's not the word, but playing the harp. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think she's really playing that harp. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. I know. <laughs> that harp isn't plugged into anything. That's going to say. What if there was like a live harpist behind, her, like up in the pit, in the, like somebody? <laughs> and then they keep those. They keep those poor three mermen in like a shoulder pose for the longest time. Oh my God, their lower backs must have been killing them. <laughs> yeah, because like, you know, 
I feel like a yoga instructor would be like, guys, these are pretty sloppy, but they're in them for so long that <laughs> you forgive it. It's hard to hold like a real good shoulder stand. Real hard. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You, but you thought they were sloppy about it. A little bit, but you know, it's the length of it. And it's the, and then they're like, they're also like trying to fan her with their tails, I think. <laughs> sure. As well, I feel like that and the causing a commotion, like probably as the tour went on, affected by like backstage banter oh yeah like it was really tight and professional at the beginning of the tour by the end it had really sort of got a little loose devolved yeah who do you think has to give that note like madonna your banter uh in between causing a commotion where's the party it's really there's a lot of air we could take out of the <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, this is her other little jokey moment where she tells her her joke about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, a joke that I definitely did not get when I was 12 years old and first saw this. But I, I'm a sure that I told... A lot of her banter doesn't, hasn't really aged well. No, that sure. I mean, yeah. Her banter. Well, we didn't even talk about all the Donald Trump stuff in Act 1. Kudos to you, Roseanne Barr. Roseanna like, Barr, yeah. Not, maybe that's why she's like, let it live on Laserdisc. We don't need to take this sure. into the modern day. That's true. I had it thought. I did, like, yeah, the... Those did stand out to me when I was watching it. It was like, hmm, uh, it makes sense at the time. Sure. <laughs> sure. And then we close out the section with Into the Groove, and uh, Donna and Nikki come back and they say, the, Hey, now, don't be silly. Put a rubber on your willy. And once again, kind of a different version of this song. There's such a weird moment in the Nice version of this where, um, because she's dancing with Gabriel, right? I believe so, yeah. Yes. It's Gabriel, Slam, and Carlton in the number. And there's a weird moment where he like sort of like caresses her leg and pulls her skirt up. She's wearing like the the shorts underneath it. And she like so deliberately pushes the skirt back down as though she's almost annoyed that it, it's a really weird moment that always catches me. That I always catch when I'm when I'm watching this number <laughs> that she almost she's like, don't lift my skirt up. They'll see my shorts underneath. It's, it's a very odd moment between between her and, and her dancer. Gotta save that there. reveal for Vogue. Yeah, she's dressed appropriately for an improv show. Ladies, if you're going to wear a skirt or a dress, please wear some biking shorts underneath it. You never know when you might roll around on stage or where your skirt might get accidentally hiked up by a dancer. No, even a ballet dancer (laughs) who isn't even into you. Why are you lifting her skirt? Then we have the encore section, which is a little hit parade here. Absolutely. We got Vogue, and that's the first time she's done Vogue. Uh, this is uh, this is my favorite number ever in a concert. Uh, this this production of Vogue. Okay. I just think it's so perfect, and it's so and I know that it's mostly just a recreation of the video. Like it's it's basically the exact same choreography. I just love this number so much. And I know that that we talked about this with, with Truth or Dare, where it cuts away and it, it has, you know, footage and her talking. And for I sure. get that for what it is. But I almost remember watching Truth or Dare being like, why are we cutting away from this amazing, amazing number? <laughs> and we still have it in this form. It's all, it's all good. But I just love it. I love the choreography. I love the attitude of it. I love the look of it. I just, oh, God, I think it's such a beautiful, 
perfectly staged number. It's great. And even though they're like not wearing, they're just in all black. Yeah. Although they start it with some big here, sort of like sure. set headpieces at first. But it is just like all about the, the dancers and the, the dance. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing to distract for like their form. It's just all of them in sleek black doing the stuff. It's great. Yeah. They're like the least costumey costumes. So much so that when in Truth or Dare, when they're in Japan in the rainy season and the, they're going to have to perform <laughs> in infinite <laughs> weather. And she's like, in a monsoon, yep. just put on your Vogue costume and your jacket, and that's your outfit for the night. Like, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. We strip it all down. It's the Vogue costume. It's always the Vogue <laughs> costume. And I, I think that we, you know, when we got into this fourth act, and you, another thing, once again, that it's, it's easy to be sort of like hyperbolic about it, but like, I don't think there'd ever been a set change in a concert before. And you think about like, we've gone from that Metropolis set that was the first four right. numbers. And then you almost don't even notice that that leaves because then you have the the religious set that's a little more sparse. But now we have this entire new right. set that seems to have like emerged. Yeah, for our and deco, once again, yeah, the, like the staircase. In, yeah, in this day and age, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But at the time, like I don't think you had set changes in a cost in a, in a concert. I'll go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that Fleetwood Mac did not. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Madonna's only precursor had not thought about <laughs> set changes. So yeah, so it's after Vogue. She does her first round of bows, although no one believes it. Then she comes back and does Holiday with those iconic polka-dotted little bell-bottom bell shorts. Yeah. yeah. So not to, um, I don't know if this is an argument for that, or this is just letting you know that maybe I wasn't as smart as the average viewer. Oh, no. (laughs) The first two times that I watched the Blonde Ambition Tour, Vogue happened, they bowed, and I hit stop. (laughs) (laughs) Like they had their curtain call. (laughs) That was the curtain call. That's the end of the show. And it was literally, I think it was the third time that I was doing something else. Like it was playing in the background as I was like doing something. And I remember um, being like, it's not stopping. Wait a minute. It's so weird that they're like panning the audience for so long. And then, yeah, I was I was like, oh, there's another song that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I was surprised. 12-year-old Mike was not prepared for an encore. <laughs> so how long, so that time, how long did you wait after Keep It Together to be like, okay, it's <laughs> I just had like arms crossed, Which just like, I'm not missing anything minutes. else. Just right. Kidding. I just watched, even like when it went to like the I just will just watch yeah. the static. I was like, I don't know. I don't trust anything and anymore. Then you, and then you invited a poltergeist into your childhood home. And those costumes. God, I love those costumes. And I love how the guys are all kind of wearing the same thing, but they've each put their own spin on it. Yes. Right. And they all do the bus stop. <laughs> Which I think I still, I I was like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I didn't know what was going on there, but we also haven't talked about the boots of it all. Have we, have we gotten to any boots references in the Blonde Ambition tour at this point? We haven't talked about that. By the, by the Paris one, for some reason, the word boots is just 
someone introduced it to them backstage <laughs> and they can't stop saying that. Then never to be heard ever again until like a year ago when I heard like the young <laughs> children saying boots. And I was like, wait, where do you know that from? <laughs> you have a VCR? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm meeting a 22-year-old Blonde Ambition fan. They do say it in this concert, like she and Nikki and Donna, so one of them says it, maybe in that causing commotion thing. Like, I think it's in material because they, they say, say we're rich boots. Oh yeah, we're they rich say that boots. they say it before as they're like getting into into the groove. They say it a bunch, and they say it <laughs> it's a, a lot, lot of boots. In truth or dare, uh huh. Yeah, they're like a group of toddlers who just learned a new word and can't stop saying it. And you're like, all right, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's cute. Someone said a funny thing. It's like yeah. an, an inside joke you weren't there for, and you're like, okay, can we move on? There are other people here. Yeah, I, yeah not everyone's a lot of boots. this joke. I still don't know what it <laughs> like. I wouldn't know when to say it if I were if, like. <laughs> If I were hanging out with them, I would be like, wait, what, is this a good time? For, can is I throw one boots? in? Yeah. <laughs> and then and you'd be like, this pizza's back. boots. And they'd be like, Eric. that's not how that works, Eric. And I'd be like, well, like you know what? Good night, everybody. This pizza is two boots. <laughs> two boots is an actual pizza place. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know. For those who are not in New York or Yeah, LA. do you guys want to <laughs> go to a different bar or, or Boots? <laughs> Eric. <laughs> I, I don't know how to use it. Stop trying boots? to make Boots happen. <laughs> Am I Boots? <laughs> no, you're not Boots, and that's uh, the problem. <laughs> Is my use of Boots Boots? <laughs> <laughs> if you have to ask, then, then the it's Boots not, don't fit. Right. Okay. <laughs> Watching the footage of them hanging out, the dancers hanging out, I think I would have had, I would have been real in my shell. I think like Gabriel. Yeah, I would have been like Gabriel or Kevin, kind of like quiet. Like I don't think mm -hmm. I would have been able to hold my own. With I mean, those. Jose and Lewis and Slam are some pretty like big personalities. Yeah, I think they would have intimidated me. I would have tried to make them like me. Well, sure, you're on tour. <laughs> Yeah, but you would have actually you would have called him Luis so many times at this point that he would just be <laughs> yeah. like Luis. He's like you can't even pronounce my name, Dick. <laughs> Luis, I noticed in holiday you're tying your shirt like this. I would be like, yeah, I would like try to do, I would try to do mine like theirs to make. I'm gonna it like... belt mine a little. Is that cool? What are you guys doing for that? Just so we're not doing stepping on each other. Right. I would get that. boots, right? Boots, right? Those like plastic things that that girls use for a while to like tie a t-shirt is like a plastic disc with some slots in oh, it, and you like pull a t-shirt through. <laughs> I would have You'd bring that. it in, and the wardrobe person would be like, "You know, we can give you one that's made of metal and not gonna break in the middle of the number." Oh, sure, boots. Like, <laughs> you know what? No, never mind. <laughs> Just let it break. <laughs> We're not reimbursing you, though. <laughs> Hey, do I, I, who do I turn in my receipts to? <laughs> Just put I'll it in your boots. right to Madonna. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, boots. You know, <laughs> you know that she was checking everybody's petty cash receipts. <laughs> We're off by a dollar three, you guys. That sounds like Eric's little plastic clip that he bought. I handed in the receipt, boots. <laughs> boots, I did.
Now I'm using it like Meow Meow Kitty on Mr. Rogers. I'm like, boots, I did hit on my receipt boots. Oh, boots. I'm glad you made a reference that's older than VCRs, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> it's timeless. <laughs> Okay, and that's the final the final number. Keep it together with the sort of like uh cage vests that they're all wearing and the bowler hats and those hats. A it's very my hair. Orange. It's a yeah. orange. orange. Another movie that I saw when I was a teenager because I thought I needed to be understand it to be cool, and I didn't understand it, but I pretended that I did. <laughs> okay. Have I you sort of had, it recently? Yeah. I have not. I sort of had a crush on a guy who this was his favorite movie and I thought well I should watch that because it's his favorite movie and then I watched it and then I did not have a crush on him anymore so it was like he sang where's the party at karaoke (laughs) (laughs) and then it was over (laughs) when I started Clockwork Orange I had a crush on a boy (laughs) and when it was over I did not anymore was that because you thought it was a dub movie I just thought, I mean, it's so, this is also like 17, 18 year old Mike that would have watched it and just thought it was like so gross and like violent and like too weird. I was like, oh, anyone who's, if this is your favorite movie, I'm sure you're a nice person. But like, for me, I was like, this is your favorite movie. Like this is your favorite. They just felt like your favorite. I think we're not going to work out. I think this is not going to, I feel like it was actually a really mature response for me because definitely like a different Mike would be like, I thought it was great too. No, that was very mature, Boots. (laughs) Thank you, Boots. I, for real, was working at a restaurant with Eric when Uh a song came on at the restaurant, and I had the thought, I had the uh, the realization, oh, Madonna didn't make up that song to start Keep It Together in the Blonde Ambition Tour in 1990. (laughs) Because I had no idea. She's like, it's not a song, it's just an opening (laughs) snippet. It's just an opening snippet that I came up with on my own. Don't don't yeah. talk to Sly in <laughs> the family where stone. Where you guys that played Sly in the family stone? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was Upper West Side Mermaid Inn. Oh, that tracks. Yeah. Yeah, I was supposed to, the, the playlist was very, like, kind of just like, this is like an American radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I remember that song coming on. And, and literally, I mean I, I mean, I was in, like, my, I was not young when I discovered that Madonna did not write <laughs> Family Affair that begins the Keep It Together number in the Blonde Ambition Tour. <laughs> but to be fair, you didn't know that number existed for years. I did. <laughs> I was like, there's a song I haven't heard, and I didn't know this number happened in this concert. Yeah. I had to take over his tables. It was like a, his mind. <laughs> he like walked out. Undid, undid yeah. your apron. Just threw it down, and you're like, I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, I got it, I, Mike, admit, Mike, this I is, got it. I'll close it. This is not yeah. Boots, and I had to leave. <laughs> How do we feel about, like, this sort of keep it together, like, the theme of keep it together versus... Madonna's real relationships with people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's one of those things where she believes it in the moment, but I think she's someone who I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't get the sense that it's a malicious thing, but she just seems to be like, what else is out there? What else? Who else is out? Like, I think it's just hard to keep her interest and attention for a long period of time. 
I also think that it is like when you when you have that level of fame, it's probably not always your fault that relationships go south. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, it's the, also worth noting that three of them sued her. Yeah, <laughs> that and may they, have like, marred the relationship as well. Yeah, but three like, of the least interesting ones, according to Truth or Dare. <laughs> according to who? Truth or Dare, the movie Truth oh. or Dare. You're, you're not walking away from the movie being like, I wish there was more Oliver. If anything, you wish there was less. Yeah, he gets like a big, he gets a big, big chunk in the beginning with his, the oh, yeah. in, leading up to O oh Father. They're like, oh, a straight guy. This is unusual in this context. <laughs> yeah. Which in that context, yes, is unusual, but still. Keep, keep it together. And uh, then they have in this one, like, because it's, I guess the tour ends with them all like individually jumping into like a pit. Mm-hmm. And because it's the last show of the tour, if you're watching the French one, like every single person who worked on the tour. <laughs> it comes, goes on for a long time. It yeah. does go on for a very long time. Yeah, they look very excited to like get to do it, which <laughs> I kind of think is sweet that they're like, oh my God, I get to get on stage and like get a kiss right. from Madonna on the cheek and then jump into this pit. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's some do it feel. better than others. Yeah. Yeah. Some really sell it and some just sort of like walk down. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that it's like a bunch of foam or just a mattress? <laughs> it's actually, it was broken glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, there is, I do think about that in this production. One of the, because the chairs have the the mirrors on the bottom of them. And one of them does break. Like there is like broken glass That's on the true. stage at one point. Oh, and Madonna, I'm sure Madonna is aware of what she's doing. She throws it into the pit. And I always think to myself, like, I hope no one's down there. <laughs> I just imagine Madonna actually, like, decapitating one of her, you know, roadies. <laughs> just sort yeah, of flinging a The final performance ended in tragedy. Someone's, <laughs> yeah. like, looking up and trying to walk. Like, oh, I love this part. I, my eyes open all wide. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's terrifying. I'm assuming no one was hurt. Oh, We'd have heard about it. They yeah. would have joined in the lawsuit. but that is the the brings that is the blonde ambition tour what sort of strikes me about it when i go back and look at it and when i look at the acts is really how not very long it is like the fact that like one act is four songs another is four songs three like it's right i feel like, like now you go to a concert songs. and they do like 80 three. songs you know it's really interesting to see okay well first of all her catalog is like gigantic so for the celebration tour what is she gonna pull and i think is it gonna be affected by taylor swift's eras tour with where she's doing like three and a half hour shows you know, like I don't see Madonna doing a three and a half hour show. No, I could see her doing like a solid two hour, you know. Most of her tours clock in at around or just under two hours, I think. I don't know if she's gonna try to like outdo herself. She might maybe Bob the Drag Queen will do some of the numbers. Do what exactly is Bob, he... I'm tired tonight. You Bob, take it. You do it. You open your heart. Is he <laughs> is he opening for all for her show or is he part of her show? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I guess my understanding him, was it was opening, see him but like yeah. mid-number bat banter, like in the way that instead of like an extended dance sequence, there might be like a oh Bob, go out and do five minutes or crowd. <laughs> I could also see like Bob the drag queen as like a master of ceremonies sort of character, sure, like an MC, like somebody who's going to come out 
and be part of it and fold it into it. Like he'll do a little like candy shop or something like that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Bob the Drag Queen. Parse fires, parse fires. Walk to the room, parse fires. So there are a bunch of numbers that this is the last time we will ever see them so far on tour. And they are causing a commotion, where's the party? Oh father, sooner or later, now I'm following you, cherish and keep it together. Are there any of these numbers you're hoping she does again in the celebration tour or you would love for her to do again? If you could pick any of those. You know, it's funny because she she sort of talks about the songs that she chooses, you know, like they have to like propel the story along, which is why certain songs that she's never done, like, you know, she's never done This Used to Be My Playground and she's never done Take a Bow. And those are two of her number one songs that she's never done in a concert because they, they're not songs that like propel you. Or they're not songs that like move something along. Right. And I wonder if in a way like, oh, Father worked so well in that moment in that tour, but I don't know that it would work yeah. in a different context. So I don't know that any of those are ones that she would bring back for Celebration. I guess if I had to choose one, I would maybe choose... I don't know. I almost want to say Keep It Together, maybe, of those that I wouldn't mind seeing her do again. Just to see her do it a different way. I would pick Where's the Party. That's a solid choice. That was my, yeah. I was thinking Causing a Commotion. But, like, where's the that and Where's the Party are kind of similar. Well, and of those, because Causing a Commotion, I think, was, like, a number two hit. Like, I think that it it did actually do well. Should have been on the Immaculate Collection. <laughs> Should be on tour more often. Okay, Mike, now we have, this is the last thing that we have to do. <laughs> is this where you kill we me? We have to do, and then we can stop talking about Madonna. <laughs> we have to kill you. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sorry, it's we non-negotiable. this piece of glass from the bottom of the chair. We're going to just... I need you to at your throat. open your eyes real wide and look up. <laughs> okay, this is our, what we're doing is we're calling it a number smackdown, but we don't like that name for it. So we're open to changing we're open it. open to new names. So what it is, we're basically comparing any number she's done before in the tour, in any tour, we're comparing it to the most recent version to say which one we think is better. Okay. So we we did it. We compared the numbers that she did in both the Virgin Tour and Who's That Girl and then we have a winner from those. So we don't have to go back and compare all the versions. We're just comparing the most recent with the one that we think was the best from the previous shows. Does that make sense? Yes, I think. Okay. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you... It's easier once to do it than to explain it to someone. Right. So for instance, we think the the version of Holiday is superior in the Who's That Girl tour. So we're comparing. The Who's That Girl holiday with the Blonde Ambition holiday, which one do you think is the better performance? My caveat to this is that the tour of which I am the least familiar is Who's That Girl. I think that, in fact, Eric, when you visited recently and we watched it, that was the first time I had seen the Who's That Girl tour since I was probably like 16 years old. Okay, now, Mike, I'm going to tell you when John texted me earlier today and was like, oh, did you send all the... Uh, the versions to Mike of the things to watch. And I was like, oh no, don't worry about it. He knows them. <laughs> He'll know them all. <laughs> and then I do remember that when we watched the Who's That Girl tour, you were sort of like, yeah, I don't really know this one very well. But I forgot to send these to you ahead of time. So just... <laughs> just make- pretend like I've heard it recently. 
I do not want to lose my, I cannot lose this job if John fires me. <laughs> this is all I have going on right now. <laughs> I, the thing is, like, I feel like I can pretty easily, is it weird that I feel like I can just say Blonde Ambition? Because that version of Holiday is so good. Like, I, I feel like. That's not weird. I think so. I think, yeah, that, yeah I think it's, it's so much more iconic. Like, when you think of Holiday, you think of the Blonde Ambition tour, I think. Yeah. From the costuming so to can... the dancing to the quality of it. Yeah, I just love that number. To be yeah. fair, I just saw the Who's That Girl tour, and now I can't remember the holiday one in it. <laughs> it's good. It was her last number. She was in the all red look. It was oh, good. Oh, yeah, it's good. But I do think that the like, Blonde Ambition just is like a little bit more iconic. And again, it's like the one that I think of when I think of like her doing holiday. Yeah. All right. So we're all agreed. The winner for holiday, current reigning champion, is the Blonde Ambition tour. Blonde Ambition. It's good stuff. All right. So the next number, Like a Virgin. Uh, to me, this is no contest. The Blonde Ambition version of Like a Virgin is so, it's so like, it just like set the stage for like, she's going to do some out there stuff from here on out. Like it's the most iconic. So this is when, remember when earlier when we were talking about that and I said, I'll just say it later what my thought is when we were okay, talking about. Okay, let's hear your thought. This is the place for that. I agree with you. I, it blew my mind when I saw it, and I still think it's like a super impressive use of that technique of doing a song differently to really like make you think about it differently. I really don't like the precedent that it sets for future tours for her to keep continuing to slow this song down as much as possible. Okay. So the current reigning tramp, which I should have said before, is the Virgin Tour. So you're voting for the Virgin Tour? No, I'm going to vote for this, but I'm going to say my caveat. <laughs> is that I think that like we like all applauded that so much that she was like, got it. They love it when I sing like a virgin as slowly as possible. And that's not <laughs> what was exciting about it. She didn't get it that it was about the sitar, not about the beat. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, because I agree. I mean, I would definitely have to go with Blonde Ambition just because it it not only did it, it was iconic. Like, once again, we talked about this earlier that no one had done that before, really, other than maybe Fleetwood Mac. I don't remember. But, like, to have <laughs> taken this song and to make it into such a different thing that I agree that I don't then – I don't – it shouldn't have worked as well as it did. I feel like in the future when artists take their songs and make ballads out of them, it ends up being a little bit wan, a little bit boring. But in this moment, she took this upbeat song, made it a ballad, but like it kept all of the electricity and like all of the energy of the original version. Right. So yeah, I would go Blonde Ambition as well. Yeah, because there is a risk of, of, of anytime you do something like that, having people be like, no, this isn't what we like. Correct. But with this, yeah. it was like, oh, I like this version as much as the original version. Version. Yeah. I gotcha. There was a little slip there. Yeah. <laughs> it was bound to happen. Bound to happen. <laughs> All right. So the winner currently is Blonde Ambition. So next we got Into the Groove, and the current reigning champion is Who's That Girl? And in that version, it's near the it's not it's like the it's like the last song before the encores. And it is like I think the first time that like the whole group is together. Yeah. I'm going to say the winner for me is of these two is the Who's That Girl tour. Okay. Because I think, I think that because it was the first time we see this like big sort of like big group dance number, it was so exciting. And in the Blonde Ambition tour, it feels like it's kind of like, it's not as exciting. I don't know. It's just like three dancers, three, like whatever. I agree. I I think it's great. I love it in Blonde Admission, but it doesn't have the impact. And it just feels like this is the number before we get to Vogue. Yeah. Anyway. 
Like, we got to do it. Let's do it. How about you, Mike? Well, I'm sure that you've already, you know, paid um, the amount of uh, attention necessary to the hair flippy, like a virgin version that like, yes, with her tambourine yeah. and the, the hair flipping. Let's say that's that's yeah. I, <laughs> that is definitely a thing that I see when I think about Into the Groove. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I love the Blonde Ambition one. I love the choreography. I love the stair work. I love the um, the like the piano that comes in in the middle. And so I'm going to break away and say Blonde Ambition. I, I agree. Blonde Ambition is great, but I'm I'm going to stick with my vote. So that means two two to one. The winner is who's that girl is still holding on to the into the groove spot. All right. So next we have Material Girl and the current reigning champion is the Virgin Tour when that's where she pretty much recreates like the imagery of the video. Hmm. And now the video, her dad comes out and, and like pulls her right. off stage at the very end. And it's how she ends the uh, the Virgin Tour concert. I know which one I vote for. Do you, you want to go, go first, first Mike? Mike? Oh, I mean, once again, I guess maybe it's because it's I because I I know the version tour version and I can think it, but I, it's really hard for me to not vote for the Blonde Ambition tour. Like I just to me, it's so iconic. And they're like the three of them together is so much fun. And they're sort of like segue into the little talky stuff and the banter between each other. So I'm going Blonde Ambition. I like the Virgin tour better because she still doesn't hate the song. I feel like after that, you can tell she's like, what can I do to not make me want to kill myself when I do this number? And I feel like in the Virgin Tour, she's still like, yeah, I like this is one of my hits. I like this. So for me, I'm going to go Virgin Tour. Eric, want to break the tie? I feel I don't want to do this because, Mike, you're our guest and you're giving up your. (laughs) That's okay. It's all right. I don't want to gang up on you. Boots. Uh, he still doesn't get it. I don't, but you guys can bring up on me for that. <laughs> I'm going to say Virgin Tour also. Yeah, because I feel like subsequently she's just always kind of like apologized when she sings it. Like sort of like, eh, I got to get through this and make it like a thing. So the Virgin Tour for me is the more fun to watch. All right. So when it comes to Material Girl, the Virgin Tour is still the reigning champ. Okay. We're going to get some, we're going to get, we're going to get into some so a string of wins now for the Blonde Ambition tour. <laughs> I think starting with Open Your Heart. So the current champ is the Who's That Girl tour because it opens the show. But I'll go first. Uh, my vote is for the Blonde Ambition tour. I think even though the Open Your Heart in the Who's That Girl tour has like a sort of bigger place of prominence, I just think it's such a fun number. I just like watching her and Oliver. I just, I for me, I just think it's really fun. And also, so much of this tour is just. Embrazened is sort of like stuck in my head. Etched. Etched. Emblazoned. Emblazoned. Embletched in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely go Blonde Ambition. Once again, it's just the two of them on stage, but it's so it's such a beautiful performance and the the quality of her voice. I love it. I'll agree with you. Yay. We have all opened our heart to the Blonde Ambition tour. Love makes the world go round. (laughs) Na 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 (laughs) na. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So next we have Papa Don't Preach. The current reigning champ is the Who's That Girl Tour. I will say for me, any number that's part of the religious section of the Blonde Ambition Tour is gonna get my vote. The whole thing is so iconic as it as just like a wait. We have to say Papa Don't Preach. It's not the current current reigning champion. It's just like the only one to compete with it. (laughs) Right. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, she's it's it's the a, second time she's done it. Yeah. So, Papa Don't Preach, which version is better? Who's that girl? 
blonde ambition. It's blonde ambition. Yeah, it's blonde ambition. Like to take an to take what is already kind of like a grand epic song and somehow make it grander. Right. And all those fuete turns. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, piggyback on that, live to tell. Uh, it's, it's the second time it's been done, so it's now we're comparing it to the Who's That Girl tour. Again, I'm saying Blonde Ambition. Yeah, it's Blonde. I think it's Blonde Ambition because the, I would agree the, as well. Yeah, the Who's. I would agree as not remembering the Who's That Girl tour. I would agree as well. <laughs> as someone who has almost no memory of that performance, <laughs> if it was a better performance, it would have been in Bletched in Your Mind. <laughs> It has a lot of mime work in it. She has a lot of like, she's like pushing a wall. No, that's that's the look of love. Wow, you're right. (laughs) This that's clearly that there was no way at all close to being embleched. Now we're like toddlers with a new word. <laughs> okay, so we got two numbers left, and both of these, this is the final time she does them on tour. So whatever comes out on top is the definitive tour version of these numbers. For now, who knows if she'll do them in the celebration celebration, and she may unseat these winners. So first up, we have Causing a Commotion, which we first saw on the Who's That Girl tour. And on this tour, it's real Nikki and Donna heavy with goes going into right. the Three Stooges. Yep. Stuff. I'll say okay. I know what I know what to do. Um, this one is blonde ambition. Yeah, I'm gonna say blonde ambition too. I'll also say blonde ambition just because I think it's so fun to see like that. It's like the three of them, and there's something about it that feels really fun to watch in that way. They really make a character moment out of the number, and I appreciate that. And the final one is where's the party? I'm gonna okay, say I'll... yeah. Okay, you start. The current winner or this is the second time it's done is the who's that girl tour i'm gonna go for the who's that girl tour if for no other reason then to me it just seems so obvious that she's lip syncing this number on blonde ambition i'm also gonna say who's that girl tour she has this thing in the who's that girl tour that we actually didn't talk about in the previous episode but there's a video because it has like it's a paparazzi thing so there are people taking pictures of her and then we see on the video behind it's like the their point, point of view the, yeah like what they see through the lens but it's obviously pre-recorded it's not in real time because her hair's like a little shorter a little different yeah mm-hmm. but i like the i like how choreographically it syncs up so you're seeing like two points of view at the same time it's a really fun early video use of video projection in a way that it feels interactive and groundbreaking at the time well once again as someone who only vaguely <laughs> remembers that version <laughs> And lip syncing scandal aside, <laughs> that's all right. I'm still gonna say blonde ambition, even even if it, even if even if I lose. Duly noted. Duly noted. All right. So the definitive performance so far of Where's That Party is from the Who's That Girl tour, and the definitive so-called cause and commotion is from Blonde Ambition. Did Who you knows? just call it Where's That Party? <laughs> I think did you I? did. It's very much like what my mom probably would have called it. Like, you know, I like that song. That where's that party song? (laughs) That party. Who's having a party now? Where's that party? (laughs) That's like the Angus when you're in your apartment and someone's like throwing a party and you can't. You're like, where's that party? Where's that party? Yeah, you can hear it and you're like, uh, is it above me and to the left? Where is that party? (laughs) You can do like a broomstick just on your. Yeah. 
All right, so those are all of our bits. So now, final thoughts, any dreams or hopes or for the celebration tour, things that you hope to see? I hope that she's not afraid to do pieces of songs. Like, I'm not going full mashup, but right. like, there, there are certain songs that I that I hope that she hits upon, but like, we don't have to have the entire like four minute version of it. So that's, I'm hoping that she sneaks a lot of little bits in there. That's what I'm, that's what I'm primarily hoping for. There's a way to do it that it's like a medley, but that's like cool. Right. I think it was like, you don't want to do like, here's everything in a in a 90 minute medley that never stops. It will be, John, it'll be your theme park version right. in your youth. <laughs> John was in a Madonna like, medley theme park. Oh, I gotcha. Was a, I was in a, I performed at a theme park. It was the rock show. And one of the numbers was a Madonna medley. Gotcha. Well, just send, just of, send of course, there was Elvis and Fleetwood Mac, and we didn't have Selena and the Beach Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who mattered in rock and roll at the time. Right. But now they've put Selena Gomez into the act. It yeah. ends with Selena Gomez <laughs> after the Madonna medley. But, but unfortunately, most people leave because the actress who plays Madonna takes a bow and they don't know that there's an encore. <laughs> they don't know that there's a, another act added. So they just. Why are you off. bowing if there's more show? <laughs> Didn't make any sense to me. Do you think, did you have your production of Little Shop of Horrors? Did you have them all bow at the end of like midway through act two? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and people laugh. I'm like, no, there's a whole other scene, you guys. This is just where you bow. <laughs> this makes the most sense dramatically that you bow at this point. You always bow to let the audience know that it's nearing the end of the show. <laughs> if you want to start collecting your purse, getting your coats on, <laughs> things I've learned from about your exit strategy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Mike, this has been such a treat. It's so, so great to meet you and just to bliss out about Madonna. Is there anything Same. you want to plug or uh, let people know about? Yeah, I mean, I do have my ongoing podcast that I do with my best friend, Vanya. It's called Vanya and Mike Can't Not. It's called Mike uh, and you can Vanya Can't Not. I, I put it. I, I put her first, right? She put me first and I just put her first. But yeah, uh, Mike and Vanya Can't Not. Yeah. Yeah, so check it out. I mean, it's just, it's literally just my my friend who lives in California and I just having a weekly conversation about this and that. And it's just like a fun little conversational podcast that we do. And then when, and just like that comes back, I'll be doing more episodes of my We Couldn't Help But Wonder podcast with my friend Elise and where we break down each episode of Sex and the City. We've done the whole thing. So if you're a Sex and the City fan and you want to hear the perspective of me, who had seen it about 20 times, and my friend Elise, who had never seen a single episode before, we kind of like compare and contrast our feelings about each episode, and and we had a good time. So yeah, you can check both of those podcasts out. I listen to them both, and they're very entertaining. We have fun. I do also, I, just, I found a very important article. Can I read from this real quickly? Yes, please do. So, Jennifer Grey had just recently broken up with Matthew Broderick. <gasps> and at the time, Grey was close friends with Madonna. She says, we did Bloodhounds of Broadway together. The pop star threw her her 29th birthday party and said she wrote, express yourself about me breaking up with Matthew. (laughs) Gray remembers the first time she heard the song. She played it for me in her car. I was in my log cabin uh, and she said, come to my car. And I got in her Mercedes where she had a really good sound system. And she was like, listen to this song I just did. It's about you. And if you look at the lyrics, it does say you'll do much better, baby, on your own. And Baby was Jennifer Grey's character in Dirty Dancing. Wow. There are so many crazy specifics to that story. One of them <laughs> yeah, is Matthew Broderick. 
a log a cabin. Log cabin. She didn't... The log cabin <laughs> threw me a little log bit. Cabin. <laughs> wow. Was she still living on the set of Dirty Dancing? <laughs> Maybe she was. <laughs> She was like, well, I was still living in the Catskills in a cabin. In a performer cabin. She was cabin. deeply in character. Yes, yes. She was a performer by We that got in point. the car because Jerry Orbach was going to sleep and he was like, where's that party? Where's that party? Where's that party? <laughs> Jerry Orbach donated his eyes to the stagehand who got the face full of glass in the pit. Oh my God, it all works. There you go. It all, oh my God. Boots. <laughs> Boots. Boots. <laughs> I did it right that time. <laughs> you can't say I did it because I did it the exact same way you guys did it. I know, but the way you did it was just weird. <laughs> you, did it wrong. you just didn't do it right. <laughs> you did it was trying too hard. <laughs> hey, Boots. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you have comments or questions or just want to reach out to us, you can reach us at thecelebrationcelebration at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram account at the Celebration Celebration. Special thanks to Dynamo for our artwork. And if you could do us a lovely favor and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts, it really helps people find the show and we appreciate it. And when you're re reviewing us, just remember, we're not your bitch. Don't hang your shit on us. <laughs>